Okay, so bear with me today. Bear with me. I'm kind of fighting a head cold, and I'm just going to do my best to power through and get this episode recorded today because I'm already running behind. If you follow my social media, you may have seen that I was in Iceland. What? And that kind of uh, changed the trajectory of my October, but I'm here, I'm back, I'm doing a podcast for you, Waterproof Records, excited to talk about this album today, but I can definitely feel behind my eyes and in my nose and just my sinuses, I can feel that head cold feeling from traveling and just uh, readjusting to my own time zone. So anyway, we're going to do the show today, and uh, and hopefully I can get through this whole thing without coughing and sniffling and sounding just terrible in your ears. If I do that too much, then I may just scrap this and try another day, but we're going to try, so bear with me. But let's jump in. We're not going to dilly-dally too much out of the gate, and we're going to get into the subject of today's album. It's time to talk about... Last Splash, that's a hard one to say quickly, Last Splash by The Breeders. Let's go! Things are gonna change, I can feel it. If this won't be that kind of fight, it There you go. Theme song time. Got that knocked out and out of the way. And uh, if you've I've probably talked about this in previous episodes before, but in case you're new to the show, um, I wrote that opening theme song uh, on my guitar and just did some drum, um, you know, drum loops in GarageBand. And then I added in there some audio snippets that you probably recognize from some uh, 90s songs I have um, from Beck's Loser in there. I have that little audio snippet. I'm a driver. I'm a winner. And then I have from the Beastie Boys, uh, geez, what song is that off of Ill Communication, where it says, it's going to be that kind of party. And then I have, of course, from Silverfuck, I have Billy Corgan saying, bang, bang, you're dead. And that's from Siamese Dream. So I put those three in there just to kind of, you know, encompass some of those songs from that era. I thought it'd be cool to have those sounds in the uh, theme song. One of these days, I may just do like a full overhauled version of the of the Waterproof Records song, you know, try to record it in a much more professional way that was thrown together rather early on in the process. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll do like a, a collaboration with somebody, um, some some musician out there and we'll do the Waterproof Records you know, it's like when they did the full on Wayne's World uh, song with Aerosmith when they did the movie. Or was that in the Saturday Night Live? I don't remember. Anyway, we're going to be getting into the podcast and I can already feel a cough beginning to come upon me right now, but I won't let it overtake me. And before I let the cough overtake me, I'm going to say DistroKid is uh, my sponsor for the show. And so make sure you're getting that VIP link that I include in my bio. I include it all over my social media. You should be getting 30% off your first year. And all you need to do is go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. 30% off your first year of uploading songs. So make sure you take advantage of that because 30% is quite a lot. That's more than a quarter. Come on, 30%. And if you didn't know what DistroKid was, I will tell you as quickly as I can that it is a service that allows you to put your music online. They make it so, so easy for you. So if you haven't checked out DistroKid, you definitely should do it. They sponsor this show. I'm a big fan. I use them and plan on using them for a long time. And they help you get your music on all those platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google, everywhere, Tidal, YouTube, all of them. 
So uh, check out distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. And uh, you will be happy you did. And that's that's a word there. As you can see, I'm not on my game. I'm definitely feeling a little bit wonky. But hey, maybe that's why it's good to talk about the breeders last splash. But I chose it specifically because the timing, the timing, I am, by the time this airs, hopefully if I get this out in time, I should be off to see them tonight at Hollywood Cemetery. Um, And I'm so excited about it. They're going to be playing Last Splash. And this will actually be the third time I'm seeing them in 2023, which is kind of crazy. I don't believe I ever got a chance to see the Breeders back in the 90s. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain and wondering if they ever played one of those big you know, whether it was a Q101 Jamboree or some kind of, you know, K-Rock Acoustic Christmas. Maybe sometimes it's easy to lose track in those big festival shows where there are a lot of bands coming through. But I don't recall ever seeing them play. Um, but I saw them play earlier this year, which feels like it was the first time at Coachella. I got to go to Coachella and I got to see the Breeders. I was incredibly excited for that performance. One, it was in a very small space. And um, I was lucky enough to get into that space early and I made my way all the way up front and um, I was right up against the ledge and just got a chance to see them come out. The original lineup, um, Kim and Kelly Deal, Josephine Wiggs and Jim McPherson and just seeing all four of the originals and they had their gear with the duct tape on it. And it was all kind of, you know, garage and put together like you could see the, the guitars, and the amps look like the exact same things they've been using for the past 30 years. And this album came out 30 years ago, August 30th, 1993. And I bought it on CD. And I loved it then, but one thing that's so magical about this album is it was an album that I really enjoyed, but I think that this album, it ages like a fine wine. It only got better over time because I remember when I was a teenager and I heard it and knowing Kim from the Pixies, I knew I was familiar with her sound and there was elements in this that reminded me of Pixies. Um, and so I enjoyed the album and it took all sorts of twists left and right as the, as you went through. But I remember setting it down for many years, you know, kind of not forgetting it, but it just wasn't in the rotation. And I feel like somewhere in the early two thousands, I put on last splash and I was just blown away by just how much it washed over me. It brought me right back. But then Every song I went through, despite maybe some of the like the more unusual, you know, like there's the one in here, Mad Lucas, which is um, funny enough. It's just kind of a bizarre tremolo voice and sleepy kind of, you know, tune. Um, That's not necessarily something that you're like, yeah, it's a banger. But uh, but start to finish, this album really, really not only holds up, but it just gets better and better over time and uh, proving that Kim Deal was a force to be reckoned with um, and was being underused in the Pixies. And that's obviously why the Breeders exists and became such a big deal for her and her sister and the rest of the band members. Um, But I interrupted myself. I was talking about being at Coachella and there I was up front, you know, the stage is at my chest and I am singing along to every single song that they're going through up there. They're playing all these great songs. They're not playing Last Splash start to finish. They're just playing a bunch of Breeder songs. And, um, you know, I have these amazing photos of the set. And Kelly could see me singing along to every word. And when they were done playing, um, Kelly came out and picked up her set list. And there were a couple people next to me, like 
begging her for it. They were reaching out like, please, 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 please. And she looked right at me and she handed it to me and she kind of, she kind of made this grimace towards them like, sorry, but she handed it to me and she looked at them and she goes, he knew every word. You know, like she was basically saying, this guy is clearly a big fan of our band because you could see me during every song, like singing along, mouthing all the words of this album because I really, really do love it so much. So I still have that set list just now dawn on me that I should have brought it here to show you, uh, you know, sit here and show you. So maybe I'll make a video about that or a TikTok or an Instagram reel or something. But I have the set list from that. But that's not the only collectible I have from Kelly Deal and from the Breeders. And this is a pretty cool story. Um, Way back when, I want to say it was about 2002. So my wife and I had just newly arrived to Los Angeles as aspiring actors. And um, around this time, I was working at MGM in the home entertainment department. But my wife was working as an extra on lots of TV, you know, working towards getting that SAG membership card, the Screen Actors Guild. That's that was the the pie in the sky. So what you did is you worked on a lot of TV shows and you, you hoped that you get a line or get bumped up. You'd get Taft Hartley. Anyway, this is all L.A. speak for the process of getting into the union so that you can move forward. So Jamie was doing tons of extra work and I was working behind a desk at MGM. But she ended up landing um, a extra role on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it was as a bronze, uh, a waitress at the bronze. We have pictures somewhere of her in the outfit, says the bronze. So I'm hoping that I'm remembering the story because I remember for years I I was telling people where this occurred. And she would always correct me and be like, no, it was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I, I, I looked up today and it's true. The breeders played an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And mainly because when they were touring at the time, Kim and Kelly Deal were playing um, the opening theme song as part of their live show of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. When that got back to the producers and the creators of the show, they were like, well, we should invite him to come on and play. So they had the scene where they came on and they played. So my wife is working as an extra. So she gets all this downtime and she ends up hanging out with Kelly Deal all day on set. Um, I think the other band members were preoccupied, but for whatever reason, I think that Kelly and Jamie got along really, really well. And, uh, I don't even know what it was that they bonded over, but they just hung out, had a, had a good, had a good time just hanging out for the day. So I remember her telling me that that was happening and I couldn't believe it. You know, this is before iPhones or texting being really easy. I don't know if it was just a simple phone call on a break to tell me what was happening. And I was just going, Oh my God, I can't believe you're hanging out with Kelly deal. And, um, and so Jamie brought home this, it's a a fake, um, waitress ticket, like a, like a restaurant ticket where you'd write down an order. It's one of those little slips. And on there it says, Jacob, where are you? Kelly deal. So Kelly was nice enough to give that to Jamie to bring to me. And I still have it in my collection of things from the breeders. And I've always cherished having that. It's a it's a cool thing that I've I've held on to for all these years. So that was a kind of an autographed thing um, from Kelly Deal. And I was hoping when I saw her at Coachella, I was hoping I'd get a chance, you know, maybe after the show to tell her that story or something. But maybe it'll get to her because of this podcast. But um, so then I saw them again just recently at Riot Fest. Now, 
I had been running around at Riefest in Chicago and the breeders were on the lineup. They were playing Last Splash and I was having a hard time getting around the concert because you want to see bands over here. You want to see bands over there. So I made it for some of their set, but I wasn't able to get to all of it because I also knew that this show, this Hollywood Forever Cemetery, um, this would be on the, on the horizon and I would be able to see them again. So it wasn't one of those sets that I was like, I can't miss it. I can't miss it. Cause I knew I had an opportunity to see last splash coming up. Um, but again, I caught some of it and they're great as always. Um, but if this is airing when I hope it will be airing, I should be off to see him tonight and I can't wait, you know, three times of the breeders in one year is awesome for, you know, such an iconic album that last splash is for 30 years later celebrating the 30th anniversary. And if this isn't an album that you spend a lot of time with, I highly recommend you do. If you like the Pixies, um, this really highlights why Kim Deal was somebody that was a fantastic songwriter. And this band overall, how it came together is a really cool story. You know, Kim and Kelly Deal are from Dayton, Ohio. And when they were young girls, you know, twins, they would go to these honky tonk bars, these dive bars, and Kim would play guitar and Kelly would harmonize and they would sing Hank Williams and these old country tunes and, you know, just absolutely brought these hardened, you know, uh, rough trucker guys in these bars to tears with their beautiful harmonizing. And Kelly didn't play the guitar at the time, but but Kim did. And they, I believe, as early as, as this point in time, they kicked around this idea of being called the Breeders, a name that was shared between the two of them. At least I read that somewhere. And then I read somewhere else that it came up later. So until I talked to one of them directly, I don't know when it exactly came about. But they were playing in these bands. And then when Kim moves away, goes to Boston, joins the Pixies, which, you know, I... I I don't know if I talked a lot about that on my episode about uh, Doolittle, which was really early on Waterproof Records talking about that album. But her joining the band, you know, walking in on this this bassist needed and not even bringing a bass to the audition um, was a pretty baller move. And not too long ago, I got a chance to go to uh, Christian James Hands breaking down of uh, monkey gone to heaven with Joey Santiago. And I got to hear him tell that story, um, firsthand, which was amazing. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry for the wheezing, by the way, I can hear it in the microphone. I can hear the wheezing, um, in between my breaths from my, from my cold that I'm fighting. Um, so I hope this is not just agony listening to my voice in this condition. I'm trying, I'm trying so hard. Hopefully I've gone through and cut out the multiple times that I've had some cough breaks. Um, and I, w I haven't made you suffer through that. What a terrible podcast this would be if you just had to listen to me cough and wretch. Um, but anyway, so this album, where was I? Where was I? Oh, no. Last Splash. This album comes together because, I mean, uh, The Breeders comes together because Tanya Donnelly and Kim Deal kind of strike up a, a friendship, a drunken friendship, as it's been as it's been relayed over interviews and uh, and articles over the over the years. But, you know, Tanya Donnelly, famously from Belly. But before that, Throwing Muses. And so you've got Throwing Muses and they're with the Pixies and they're on the road. And here are two female musicians that are kind of not being used to their fullest potential. You know, Kristen Hirsch is 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 
taking all the lead on throwing muses. And um, of course, Black Francis, Frank Black is leading everything with the Pixies. Now, Gigantic was one of the biggest Pixies songs. And that was famously like a Kim Deal song. Of course, I think she wrote in collaboration with Charles with Black Francis. But it is, you know, it's got that Kim Deal touch to it. And so you can hear it there. And so she's in this band and she just doesn't have as many opportunities to sing or show her songwriting ability. And during her time in the Pixies, people would say to her, like, aren't aren't you sad that you can't sing more? And at the time, it, it struck her as an unusual thing that people were saying. But it was true. There is something so great about Kim Deal's voice, the way it fills the space. She truly has a sound that when you hear it, you go, that's Kim Deal. I can hear it. It's right there. It's so specifically hers. And then when she pairs with her sister, it's just wonderful. It's just a great um, pairing of those twin sister voices. Um, but this band was Tanya Donnelly and Kim Deal saying, let's do our own thing. And initially they said, let's start. Um, let's let's collaborate together and we're going to create like an indie um electronic dance song or like indie disco or something. And we're going to make a hit and we're going to make millions of dollars and they get together to do this and nothing comes of it. They're like, it's a lot harder than we thought to come up with that. So they ditch that. They start playing some covers. And then before they know it, they're, they're, they're playing a, um, they're writing songs together. They're writing songs and it's starting to feel really, really natural how they're coming together and, and playing music. And so, they decide they're going to record that first album, The Pod. And The Pod is different from Last Splash because it's 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 more atmospheric, it's more sparse. And that's because the lineup that we know in Last Splash isn't really together yet. You know, first of all, it's Tanya Donnelly and Kim Deal working on The Pod together. Kelly's not even in the band yet. And they have the drummer from Slint. And I'm drawing a blank on the other uh, bass player that's being used at the time. But the drummer from Slint, Britt Walford, is playing on that first album. But then it's after this that um, kind of the long story short is the Pixies are on tour again. The pod is out there and it's considered to be this kind of underground success among, uh, amongst musicians. And it's cited as being one of Kurt Cobain's favorite albums. It came out in 1993, I think, saying that the Breeders and The Pod was one of his favorite albums for just having this atmosphere and unique songwriting uh, sound to it. So Nirvana and Kurt were a big fan of what The Breeders were doing. So uh, the Pixies are on tour and it's very clear they're going to be on the road for about a year. And so the agreement between Tanya Donnelly and Kim Deal was, hey, on The Pod, Kim will write the majority of the songs and then on the second album, Tanya will write the majority of the songs. And that's that's what we're going to do. But this tour takes Kim away for a very long time. So Tanya just realizes, well, I've got all these songs that were supposed to be on the, the next Breeders album, but I'm going to just start my own band. So thus, she starts Belly. And that first album, that's essentially a lot of the songs that were supposed to be on that next Breeders album. But she goes off and does her own thing. So... Kim's now got the breeders and she's like, all right, I know who I got to bring in now. My sister and uh, her sister, Kelly, famously didn't really know how to play the guitar at all at this point in time. 
So she joins the band with very little uh, guitar knowledge, but obviously she picked it up quickly and the deal sisters are just incredibly musical and have a grasp of it. And it didn't take long for her to come in add a lot of skill uh, over time to the band. And I'm sure that those early days she looks back and goes, wow, I didn't really know what I was doing. But I, when I saw her at Coachella up close and personal, all those little things that they were doing back then just worked perfectly for the sound of the breeders. Um, it's just amazing how things come together like that. You know, they just come together and work perfectly. So I know I've been talking about seeing them live and I've been talking about how the band came together, but I haven't been talking about Last Splash as a whole. Um, this album really hits the world with cannonball cannonball. I mean, I, that song still to this day takes you right back to this era. Just the, the sound, you know, the, the, and then the, the drumsticks on the side of the snare, that little rocking start right there. It is so specific to that time. And it takes me right back. But that baseline, that opening baseline, it reminds me of MTV's The State, the pants skit. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm referring to. Michael Ian Black um, in the library walking in with no pants on. And they use the breeders cannonball for that skit. And so not only do I think of the iconic music video uh, for Cannonball, which was directed by Spike Jones and Kim Gordon. You know, which was such a classic 90s uh, uh, music video with dipping the face in the bowl of water and the, you know, kind of the the just the the lo fi quality of the video. Um, it was very, very fitting of the time. But that opening baseline just always will make me think of MTV's The State. And cool enough, I'm seeing the breeders right around now. And literally in another week, I'm going to see MTV's The State live in L.A. So it's all coming together. It's all coming back. 30 years later, get to experience these great things. I'm so ecstatic about that. Um, But that song, Cannonball, will make me think of MTV's The State in that skit. And if you aren't familiar with it, The State was a sketch comedy show on MTV. Very short-lived. It it didn't last for very long. I feel like only two seasons. Um, Maybe more, maybe less. But it it launched the careers of so many funny, hilarious people. David Wayne, Ken Marino, um, Thomas Lennon. Just hilarious, um, hilarious comedy troupe that went on to do Reno 911. And of course, David Wayne made wet, hot American summer. And so they've just created so many amazing things. And I followed them through all of their careers. I'm just a, a, a big fan of that troupe. Um, I remember when my TikToks first started blowing up and uh, it was, you know, only a month or two in. And I remember when Thomas Lennon followed me on TikTok, I flipped out, you know, and I was like, that's a diehard state fan right there. There, there could have been a lot of other celebrities to follow me that to, to get excited over. But I, I was so stoked about Thomas Lennon because when I was in high school, I would redo state sketches for my, um, for my drama group, for my theater department. I would act out some of the state sketches and, um, but the pants one was Michael Ian black, like walks in and he tries to hit on this girl and she's like, ugh, she walks away. And then, um, Robert Ben Garant is like, Hey, buddy, why don't you try some pants? And he's like, huh, pants? And then there's this montage of him like trying to wear pants. Anyway, it's a great, great sketch. And I will forever think of Cannonball when I think of uh, when I think of the state. 
or vice versa. I don't know. You can tell, guys. I'm so sorry. I can tell with the cough and the uh, and the head cold. It's really making me a little bit loopy. I hope this is a fun episode, even if I am kind of all over the map. But this album starts out New Year, right? It just starts out with that. We have come. It just drops on you, just drops in your lap, and then it speeds up. There's something about Last Splash is it just goes left, it goes right, it goes up, it goes down. It just has such a diverse uh, just directions the album can go. And yet it's all still so cohesive. It's all so Last Splash, so The Breeders, but they go all over the place. Some of my favorite songs in the album are like No Aloha. I just love the way that starts out with this kind of tropical, these guitar Hawaiian bends. And it does that whole verse with no drums and it's just doing it kind of on its own. And then it kicks in so good. There's like I said, it's all it goes in many directions. You have, you know, New Year, Cannonball, Invisible Man, No Aloha. Then you get to ROI, which is one of those instrumental pieces. And um, that's what's been interesting about when I heard at Riot Fest them playing Last Splash start to finish and I can hear it and not see all of it. And I'm about to see it again. There are those unusual choices on this album that seeing them commit to them live. I'm sure these were never in the sets, right? Why would you necessarily put things like mad Lucas in the middle of your set? It was more of like an album experimentation thing, but seeing last splash played start to finish these album played concerts are such a unique opportunity for even these artists to bring a song that they were like, well, we never intended to play that one live, you know, but do you love me now? Oh, I love this song. And the thing that always sticks out to me about, do you love me now is about a minute in the way that she's like, does love ever end? And then the way the, sorry for my voice there, the way the guitar and drum and bass come in almost off tempo for a beat that has always stuck with me. Um, the way that it happens right there. And I mean, that whole thing that I'm just saying about the timing, I think one of the things that's so appealing about this album and, and albums during this era, and I hope you'll understand what I mean, the carefree feeling behind the album. So there are artisans in this studio that make you feel like every millisecond was obsessively sculpted and crafted and put together and it's perfect case in point Siamese dream those kind of albums where the artists sound obsessive and then the sound that comes out of it is wonderful and it's one of my favorites but you can tell it was it was crafted with so much finesse but an album like glass splash has this carefree we went into the studio we recorded it quickly We didn't overthink things. Now, I have read that that's what they intended you to feel and that things were planned. And then I've also read that that was kind of scoffed at. You know, I think it was in an interview between Kim and Kelly where one was saying, oh, well, you know, it may sound like it was carefree, but we thought through everything we were doing. And then there was kind of a look between sisters. So who knows? But it's the vibe. It's the feeling of carefree. And another album that does this really well is um, Weezer's Pinkerton, a feeling of looseness, 
rhythms changing, speeding up, slowing down, things being, you know, uh, songs starting with one pacing and then switching to the next. I think that that really feels carefree. And there were artists coming out at the time that made you feel like, don't make everything so precious. Let the music kind of just be natural and organic. I would say pavement. I would say, you know, these bands that made you feel like it's cool to be a little loose. And I feel like I get that looseness from Last Splash, even if it was intentionally to sound that way, which I'm sure it was. Very bright songwriters, very skilled songwriters to give us that feeling. But but when you put on Last Splash, it's perfect for a summer outside in the sun, have a drink. Maybe you even have some water that you're, you know, spraying on yourself. I don't know. It just that Last Splash, right? It does have this kind of summer good vibes um, feel to it. Flip side, I think that's another instrumental one. I just got want to get along. I remember when I would listen to it and she'd go, I just want to get along. I just want to get along. I just want to get along. And sure enough, when I was watching uh, them at play at Coachella, there's Kelly up there and she does it. And I was like, man, how many times did I mouth those words or say it just like that, that same intonation from the song? Um, talked a lot about Mad Lucas. And then you get to Divine Hammer. Amazing song. Um, Saints, amazing song. Driving on Nine, amazing song. Hag, one of the weirder ones, but super fun. SOS, I don't think I knew this until just recently. I didn't know that the guitar on SOS was the guitar sampled for the Prodigy's Firestarter. Was this common knowledge for everybody? I just learned about it, you know, just recently while researching the album. I was never really hugely into the prodigy. I mean, I liked Firestarter and I liked some of the hit songs they had. I was not aware that the breeders SOS from this album was sampled. That little snippet um, was being used in Firestarter. So, hey, if I'm educating you, cool. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the whole album from start to finish, like I said, is so good. Some of the other fun things that I learned um, while I was researching this uh, let me see if I can find it right here. It's it has to do with Kelly. You know, one of the reasons that la- after Last Splash, you know, they went they toured on this album and then the band kind of comes apart right around this, you know, 94 and 95 because Kelly Dio got arrested for, I think, heroin possession and it had to go to rehab. And I know that Kim had to go to rehab. So there was a lot of these projects that that got thrown, you know, thrown away because they were struggling with drug abuse and the band comes apart and then they kind of, uh, you know, Kim reforms it in the, in the late nineties and starts releasing music again. And then gradually Kelly comes back on board, but it isn't until 2012 or 2013 around the 20th anniversary of last splash that the original lineup starts coming back again. But one of the things that I did not know and I thought this was pretty fascinating during the time that the breeders had broken apart and everybody was kind of figuring out their own things. Kim is off making the amps and other side projects. All the, all the band members are doing their own things. Kelly starts her own side projects. And one of the side projects she started was called the last hard men. This was the most interesting grouping of people that I'd ever heard of in my life. So basically, she decides to get Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, Jimmy Flemion from uh, The Frogs, 
and she gets Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins and they create this album, The Last Hard Men. And it's basically like if you can combine alternative grunge with like hair metal. And I went and listened to some of it today and it's it's pretty out there. It's you know, I don't know. I can understand why it didn't really work, but I just thought it was so wild because I didn't even know that this thing existed. And it happened around 1996, 1997 was was when they recorded it. And I think only a thousand copies of it were released in 98 and then again in 2001 or something. But part of me feels like I should seek out a copy just because it would be a fun thing to have in my collection. But completely random. They did put as a band, the the last hard men did put an album on the scream soundtrack for uh West Craven scream. They're on that soundtrack doing a, a cover of schools out. So that's a, that's a version that you can go here. Um, but I digress. I didn't come here to talk about the last hard men. I came here to talk about the breeders. Um, but I, I think that in, in today's episode, I did get a chance to cover what I wanted to, which is, um, Last Splash is one of the outstanding 90s albums. And if you don't believe me, put it on. I think it stands right alongside some of the best albums from the Pixies. Now, I don't have any, the Breeders are better than Pixies, Pixies are better than the Breeders. I don't really feel that way because a lot of Pixies music really took me uh, in first, you know, like, Doolittle was such an important album to me, so it will always be. And then when I, once I discovered Surfer Rosa and, you know, all those albums and, and Bossa Nova, I am a Pixies fan. And I think that Kim Deal brought a huge amount of talent to that uh, iteration of the Pixies. But I am so happy that she split off and found her own way and did her own thing because we are truly fortunate to have the Breeders. Um and I am so glad that Kim and Kelly both got sober and clean. And I, I, I've seen, um, you know, quotes where Josephine Wiggs was saying it was so good to be playing on stage with them again, you know, in the, in the 2012 ish when they're reuniting and, and, and it being sober and clear headed and them having these good sets together and just the community. And when I saw them at Coachella, I could see that I could see that they really clicked and worked well together. So I am hoping that tonight is going to be as amazing as I believe it will be. I've never been to Hollywood forever. Um, cemetery to see a show. This will be my first time there, but I, I'm super looking forward to it. And I hope that one day I get a chance to talk to Kelly again. And you know, when I have the set list from Coachella and then get a chance to tell her the story about Buffy, the vampire slayer and hanging out with my wife all day. Um, but there's not much else I can say about last splash. I hope I get a chance to keep this episode. I really, um, I need to, I needed to release a show cause you all have been waiting and, um, I, I, it's been tough going to Iceland and I didn't really talk about that at all on here, but that had nothing to do with music. I wasn't going because I was hanging out with Sigaros or Bjork or doing anything like that. I, um, I, I work in sustainable, you know, renewable technology, green solutions, green education. That's my job. Um, you may have seen me post things about, you know, biofriendly and biofriendly planet on my socials. That's what I do. So Iceland reached out and we're like, Hey, we would love to send some journalists to Iceland to write about the renewable energy there. 
and they reached out to our editor in chief and she was unavailable to go. And I was like, I'll go. And it was about a week before I went that I found out I was going to Iceland. So wasn't necessarily knowing I was going to be going to Iceland in the month of October, but it was truly an unforgettable experience. And, and, uh, I, I do in some ways feel a little bit of a transformation. I fell madly in love with that country and I longed to go back. I felt a real connection there to the place and felt like, I don't know, some historical connection. Like I'd been there before in a weird way, um, or that I belonged there. Um, but anyway, it was cool. But again, I, I hope I get to keep this episode. Um, I'm saying that to you now, cause if you are hearing this part, you know, that I, I, I hem and hawed over whether or not I needed to record it again because of my coughs that I have to edit out or, sounding a little spacey while recording the show. I hope that it was good enough and I'm able to release it to the world. Um, but I'm going to wrap it up there after talking about last splash. Thank you for joining me for another waterproof records. My waterproof again, remember I do have subscribers on Instagram. If you'd like to check that out, we have a cool chat group called the waterproof crew. It's an awesome group of people. We chit chat. They ask questions. We have a good um, conversations going on in there. And then also I try to release things, uh, individual videos to the subscribers just to have a relationship with my subscribers on Instagram to let them know, like they can contact me, they can reach out. We can, we can build something together. If you want to know what I'm working on, um, it's available to you. So check it out. If you'd like, it's only uh, three bucks a month. It's super cheap. And I try to make it worth your while. And you're always welcome to give me suggestions on ways that I can make it more worth your while. So again, check out distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. Get that 30% off your first year. And uh, thanks for joining me for another episode of Waterproof Records. We'll see you next time when I feel better. Bye. Bye.